Awoga, this is a 12th cast. Hello and welcome to the Ganymede and Titan commentary for Entangled. Oh wait, we already did this joke four years ago. Never mind. Anyway, yes, this is the fourth of our weekly dwarf casts as we edge ever closer to the start of series 11. Before we get on with the commentary, it's time for a bumper dose of some news with me, Ian Symes, and me, Danny Stevenson. So, obviously, we had the full trailer yesterday. Yep. We were all sat around watching Series 2 on Dave, which was actually really good. Yeah. <laughs> it was really nice because there were loads of people on Twitter chatting along and making jokes and talking about hashtag vaginosis. It was and, a proper tweet along. And queel. So queel. <laughs> thanks to Dave making a typo and us going slightly too far in mocking them for it. But never mind, it was funny. So yeah, as you can scroll back on our Twitter feed if you want to see the best of that. We're at Ganymede Titan. And yeah, um, so as predicted, we were waiting right to the end of it for yep. uh, for Parallel Universe. And it was during the break of Parallel Universe, which slightly caught us off guard. Because we, yeah. by that point, we were going, oh, it will be after Parallel Universe. Yeah. We wasn't was expecting it to be in the middle. There was an advert before that had like a sort of really spacey background. And I was like, oh my God, is that? oh, that's not that. No, and, then, and, then, and, my cow, and then my my guard was down and then it came on. I was like, shit, no, this is it. <laughs> so yeah. So there's obviously, uh, we've got our full shot-by-shot analysis over on www.ganymede.tv, but uh, there's a couple of interesting extra things that have emerged. Yep. Um, there is at least one variant of the trailer yep. that was shown on Dave yesterday um, during a repeat of a Top Gear special, Yeah. Um, which starts later. It just it emits the atmospheric stuff at the start yep. and goes straight into the straight from theme tune. And then, yeah. yeah. And at the end, instead of having the joke about Rimmer's nostrils while this is eating some whipped cream on a cornet, uh, it has a different joke of Crichton saying a chill's just gone down his spine and Lister says, uh, I just spilled some lager down. Yeah, sorry, mate. <laughs> so uh, I haven't seen that one online at the time of recording, but someone will upload it surely. Sure. Uh, and then there's also there's a, a little trailer for Dave in general, um, or that Dave's comedy in general, where it's themed, it's a mock-up of a air freshener advert for some reason. Yeah, sense, sense of humour, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, sense, sense of, of humour. Oh, I see what they did there. And part of that involves uh, a couple of clips from Red Dwarf 11, which yeah. aren't in the trailer, and they are of Crichton in red in a red suit, Yeah, which I think we can safely assume, from looking at the synopses, is from episode 5, Crisis, uh, because it says Crichton has a midlife crisis and changes his body cover from mech grey to Ferrari red. Yeah, and that's why I kind of picked up on as well. It's yeah. like more like a car covering than a, yeah. than a mech mode covering. It's so. blinged up as well. Yeah. There's sparkly bits and glittery bits. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, there's a tiny bit of, uh, of di- snippets of dialogue in there. Uh, Lister says, let's hear it for the universe. Yeah. So yeah, there is a very low quality version of that. Uh, someone, uh, Shelley Smith, in fact, yeah, um, of the fan club, of the, fan, of the official Red Dwarf fan club, um, filmed that off a phone, off the telly, uh, and so you can see that on our Twitter feed as well. And of course, the teaser that was released on Friday. Now we assumed from that teaser that everything within that would be in the full trailer, yeah. and that is not the case. No, it's not. So in lieu of us having done a full shot by shot 
analysis of that um we're going to talk about the little bits that are different now and i will um put the screen grabs in the article for this dwarfcast what we have the most intriguing one i would say is a ship that immediately when i saw it i thought well if that's not the nova 5 then they want us to think it's the nova 5 yeah because it's the it's the color and it's the composition of the shot it's ident it's like it's it's, it's, it's definitely a direct yeah. homage if, if it's not, if it, if it isn't indeed it. Yeah. Well, um, later uh, people have pointed out that you can see the word Nova written uh, towards the left on of the, the crust ship itself. Yeah, on the back uh, barrel. You can kind of see certainly over and a number. So whether it is the Nova 5 and they've gone back to it, it does look, the design of the ship is different, uh, but that's not necessarily means anything because the design no, of Starbuck and Blue Midget are different. Yeah, years, exactly. But, it could just be just modernised. Yeah. But it's either the Nova 5 or a sister ship. And again, if we go back to the synopses, for the, again, for Crisis, the posse try and show him how much he's achieved in life by taking him to visit a mechanoid from his old fleet. That's interesting. Interesting, so, isn't it? Yeah. What a pretty picture Richard Naylor and Doug Naylor have painted. painted. <laughs> uh So yeah, that is the, that's the exciting one. Uh, there's also, there's an additional shot of the scary the, robot the, fish yeah, medical thing. thing. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to finding out what that's called because oh. I've called it about twenty different things since <laughs> Big we first. Scary started. fuck off robot. Yeah, TM. whatever it is, <laughs> it is. It's so weird. It's not like anything that we've seen in Red Dwarf before, really. No, it's it's almost that like design it, it, that that evokes the uh, the look of an agonoid, like the kind mm. of thing I'd expect to see in, from the books. So it's really interesting to see. Well, what I definitely that would expect like. to see it in a horror movie. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like a demented. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's uh, the shot is of a character which we're not hundred percent sure who it is, but I think it's Rimmer um, pulling back uh, flaps in yeah. to to reveal him. Doing something. Doing to something. We also have an interior shot of uh, starboard cockpit uh, in red alert mode, and so the bulb at the back that uh, in the, all the pictures that we've seen so far says not alert. Does in fact yeah. say alert. Yeah. And not only is it red, but the entire cockpit is red. Yeah. Which suggests to me, because all the pictures we've seen, official or otherwise, UK TV people of mm. Starbuck, um, the lighting's looked different every time. Yeah. And I don't know, honestly don't know from the couple of episodes that I saw recorded whether this is the case or not, but I think that the entire lighting in the cockpit changes depending on what situation they're in from what we've pieced together. Yeah. Because you can see that this is red alert, the entire thing is red. Some shots that we've seen of it, everything's very blue. Uh, in the trailer, uh, the full trailer, the sequence where Rimmer's identified life signs, mm -hmm. uh, Starbuck there is very, very blue. I wonder yeah. if they're on blue alert during that. Yeah, maybe. Or if that's just the general ambient lighting colour yeah. of the actual ship in general. Because, yeah, uh, we, you can see Starbuck is it, never the same colour in any of the <laughs> in any of the pictures or clips that we've seen so far, so we'll have to wait to, to get clarification on that. <laughs> We also see a fantastic effect shot of a POV from inside Starbucks cockpit as it crashes, yeah. or is about to crash. Yeah, you can see Cat uh, on the right with his leopardy print suit. An assumed list on the left, but yeah. yeah. And this is—you can tell that this is a kind of shot that Doug's always wanted to do. I mean, it's, yeah. it just looks so good yeah, to see. Does. Yeah, the context of it—not you're not just seeing Starbucks 
from the inside or from afar. Yeah. It's now, yeah, it's placing it in that context. It's a great effect it's shot. It's the best of both worlds of a, of a like an effect shot versus a, a, an, an actual set yeah. shot. It's just really nice to see them both married properly. And it's really, really, good. really nice. And little reflections of the instruments in the plexiglass as well. Yeah. And we also have a shot of a rather phallic spaceship <laughs> crashing vertically down <laughs> into the sea, which you were saying, you, were, you, were, you looked at that the other day and you... It was the the composition of the shot looks really weird, and I'm, I'm wondering whether the like layered multiple passes of water being splashed in different directions. I think that's what makes it look really. It looks really. It looks good. I'm not. I'm not saying it's not a good shot. It looks amazing. It's, it's something we've never really had in Red Dwarf. It feels very sort of along the sort of same um, eras like Thunderbirds and that kind mm. of stuff. But there's something about the composition of the shot that just makes it look really off. It's like Uncanny Valley. Um, but it does look, it, it's really not something we've ever really had on Dwarf before, and it's really nice, and I, I'm, I'm not complaining, I'm just, it's a minor, minor, minor gripe. Yeah, and again, you're seeing like half a second of it. Exactly, here. yeah, <laughs> and without context and seeing it, it's like, it doesn't really matter, it's just a trailer shot, it looks impressive, and that's the, that's the point, and it looks really cool, so yeah, it's done its job. Right, uh, moving on to other, some news, uh, earlier this week, it was the premiere of Twentica mm. up in uh, Edinburgh along with a Q&A from Doug, Robert and Craig um, Robert and Craig said that it was the most fun that they'd ever had doing it um, even more so than the old days it was just a blast Yeah, which obviously they're going to they're not going to come out in promotion of the series and say it was shit but it's still nice <laughs> to hear <laughs> and uh, the mo- apparently the Q&A was quite short um, only a few questions came in from the audience uh, one of them was about the beer mat. <laughs> the, uh, someone thought that the beer mat was a real thing. Oh, from, the beer mat the from, the, in the back of the omnibus. omnibus. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I've got to give thanks, by the way, to Rob Ringham, who got in touch with us earlier in the week uh, with a little mini write-up uh, from the event. Uh, and so I'll uh, quote a little bit of uh, of what he said here. The same audience member that asked about the beer mat asked about the show's future beyond series 11 and 12. Doug shocked the room with... If I were a betting man, I'd say two more series at least. Ooh. Wow! Yeah, that's that's <laughs> a, that's not a that's a bold thing to come up with. Yeah. At this point. <laughs> well, earlier this week, in fact, I left a comment on GNT saying, "Come on, realistically, that series twelve could well be the last one." And I've got no doubt whatsoever that people want to make more, but the logistics of getting everyone together and it happening—you know—it took four years between series ten airing and series eleven airing. Yeah. But then. Even before that, Doug said on Twitter the other day, um, on August the 22nd, he said that he was intending to start writing Series 13 in November. And it's unclear slightly whether or not he was joking because it was a, he was answering a few questions and yeah. some of them were joking answers, some of them were real answers, but I don't see why that's not the case. Yeah, I mean, I was saying this earlier the, the other day, like how when we got to Season 7 of Red Dwarf, you'd think we were nearing the end, but would you ever think that we'd ever get to 13 or 14? 14, potentially, series the next few 14 years. of Red Dwarf is absolutely and it ended insane. on it ended on 8. Yeah. And now we have potentially 6 more series after that. Yeah. It's just Five mental. full series. But even without these two series, you found out something interesting about the fact that... Oh, yeah. After the, Series 12, it'll be there'll be more 
Doug only dwarfs and there is Robin Doug dwarf. Yeah. Which is mental. But it's <laughs> like, it, but it, yeah, it's, 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 it's a difference of like one. Yeah. <laughs> but the balance, yeah, is, but the, the balance is shifting. It. The balance is totally shifting. And it's very, very weird. And to think about. speaking of, of when series 12 airs, uh, in the same session, Doug also said that uh, the gap between series 11 and 12 would be 12 months probably. Which is what I wanted to hear. I think mm. that's the best bit. Let's yeah, definitely. Carry on the same pattern. Let's yeah. have, let's keep it consistent. That's and great. then you never know. You never know that they might even be able to only have a year or a year and a bit between series twelve and thirteen. You never know. You never know. Uh, there's a few more bits and bobs uh, that got released on Twitter during this week. Richard Naylor revealed the recording order for series eleven. Uh, he said that they didn't go into the uh, the recording block with a specific broadcast order in mind and they've made their decision based on the edit which is interesting because mm-hmm. uh, series 10 was uh, you know the first episode recorded was the first aired it didn't change and that is actually unusual for Red Dwarf yeah so it's not remotely surprised so for the record the order that they were shot in was Give and Take Can of Worms Crisis Officer Rimmer Samsara Twentica so it's interesting that the last episode recorded the last is the first so yeah, why not go back and reread our set reports with all that in mind? One last bit of news uh, released on well, there's probably more, but <laughs> of the of the bits that I've made notes on throughout the week and I'm talking about now, uh, Justine Bauer, who's head of press, is that her job title? I think so. Uh, well, she's a very important woman who works for UK TV. She said that while she was up in Edinburgh for the uh, for the premiere, she went to see uh, a comedian called Lucy Paul, who stars in episode one of Red Dwarf Eleven. Ooh. Ooh. So I think that's the first like official, well, not official because it's not been released in a press release or anything. But it's that's the first guest star that's that's come out like that and been confirmed. So stay tuned for more, which I'm sure we'll get over the coming weeks. Yeah. But for now, that's, that's all, all the weather. So now it's time to crack on with the commentary for Series 10, Episode 4, Entangled. This was recorded in the same session as Lemons. See if you can work out exactly when that was by piecing together all the topical references to various elections. There's no Danny, but there is me, Capsy, John, Tanya and the fan club's Joe Sharples. If you'd like to watch as well as listen, queue up your video source of choice and press play after the pips. This commentary contains nothing that would require any kind of special warning, but we're four weeks in, so we might as well carry on with the formula. There ain't no place in the whole of cyberspace. I've got to put the sound on. Sound's on now. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) But not in a copyright infringing way. (laughs) Just low enough to avoid problems. (laughs) <laughs> so Entangled, according to the Silver Survey, is the second worst or fifth best episode <laughs> of Series Ten. It's number forty-four overall, which is quite high up, I think. That's a decent performance. Yeah. It beats most of seven and eight, then. Yeah, sense. it's behind only Cassandra from Series Eight, and yeah, most of Series Seven is behind it as well. People need to rewatch Cassandra. If you think Cassandra's alright, rewatch. <laughs> <laughs> Ruin your misremembering. I mean, the entire evening. I think Entangled is my least favourite episode of Red Dwarf Ten, but I still put it ahead all of, or very least, nearly all of Seven and Eight. I am going to fight in this little plucky episodes corner <laughs> because I did in the past. <laughs> but I think it's not until 
fairly late on that Entangled falls apart. Yes. But when it does, oh it's boy. <laughs> <laughs> but it it that that last ten minutes really does quite a thorough job of overshadowing everything else. Yeah. Anthony, but... <laughs> I know. It's it, but yeah, there. I I'm not quite sure what. Well, it's it's just a cheap joke, isn't it? Um, <laughs> basically, but I. It feels like a retread of the um, cat hairdryer joke. Um, except that had a bit more of a purpose to it and actually did something. Whereas <laughs> this, it, set, it sets off alarms and there's loads of smoke, but then nothing happens. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm not really sure what. It's funny, I remember you were pissed off about that a week ago as well. I know. <laughs> I like. Yeah, right. um, it just stays with me. I like. So I, I mentioned this in the in the review that I wrote, but this whole like changing shifts and being in the drive room. But they're like it, it. It feels incredibly six, like changing mm. cockpit shifts in Star Wars, yeah. where that would be necessary. But you think it wouldn't be necessary with Red Dwarf? But maybe this absence of Holly. Well, yeah, we assume that Red yeah. Dwarf is largely automated, because otherwise you need thousands of people to do the yeah, work. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, maybe the mainframes down and all that. Or just, maybe they've just kind of basically invented shifts just to keep yeah keep themselves for busy. Yeah, yeah. For sanity. But it's just interesting, like, this episode uses Red Dwarf as Starbug a little bit, even mm. though Starbug's actually mm. in it. Yeah. And I I like the idea of Rimmer being wracked with guilt about the accident and using that guilt to be over-enthusiastic mm. about health and safety rules. Um, unfortunately, it's only really, it's God, kind it's of like a, a throwaway gag in this a bit. Well, it's not so much a throwaway gag, because he goes on and on, but... <laughs> It's, it's used for a gag. It's used for a sort of. It's not really set up. Yeah. To be anything else, and I feel you could you could do more with you it. You could run with that, yeah. yeah because re- yeah, it's, it's one it's one of the callbacks that I really like type of callbacks that I really like. And it, it, it it's not repeating old glories. It's linking things together and. Mm. Um, there's a couple of things like that in this episode. Actually, there's a nice hard light mention as well. That uh, caused a bit of uproar. At the time. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's amusing to see Lister winding him up about the accident <laughs> yeah. because before Lister was quite, it's not your fault, it, you know. But yeah, <laughs> now I, I, sick of hearing about it. But yeah, I'll, I would I like the idea that in deep space, as time goes on, you know, sometimes <laughs> you just really want to annoy Rimmer <laughs> by playing on his guilt. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have to say, when I rewatched this, um, I genuinely did find the first twenty minutes a lot funnier than I remembered. Yeah, yeah, I really did. Um, See, I, I don't really yeah. like all this. Yeah, the stuff. entangled stuff. The though. cat and crying stuff is brilliant. Because it's such a rare pairing, really. Yeah. To get them to do scenes of just the two of them. I kind of feel I should like it, and I don't quite know why I don't. Because yeah, I do like the pairing. I think. I just find it a bit annoying. <laughs> um, now, to be fair, that's acknowledged later on where Rimmer actually says that. He says, <laughs> this is getting really annoying, which I was really pleased he said it. But I don't necessarily find it that easy a watch because I find it grates a bit, which... That's interesting. Yeah. Um, I, when I, I just find the central concept a, a bit sort of... I don't know. I, I, don't, I, I find it hard to grab onto. Well, the... the... Uh, 
it uh, gets misused. Part of the problem is that it is inconsistent in its nature mm. throughout. Sometimes the the quantum whatever is like the quantum bits of rod whatever quantum it is. entanglement. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it causes coincidences to happen, and sometimes it just makes them aware of coincidences that are already oh, in existence. And I sort of prefer the later one. Yeah. Because when it's causing coincidences to happen it's a bit luck virus yeah it's that's my big problem with a lot of it it's too luck virus yeah and i mean i'm jumping ahead but when the begs choke like that's not a coincidence mm. that they only notice because they're more aware it's a, it's a yeah. group of begs choking in front of you <laughs> like so that must have been you'd have noticed that <laughs> you would have noticed that that's a real book that we own oh yeah that's how I know that. <laughs> I've, I've, yeah, it's, it's, it's strange. I've, I think it's one of these concepts that um, Doug is, you know, legitimately and absolutely fine to be um, really interested in. And I actually wouldn't mind listening to a lecture by mm. Doug because I imagine it's really interesting on this sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, I find it hard to latch on to for an episode of Red Dwarf. Yeah, I think it needs to be more clearly defined yeah. is the word. Yeah, there's some really confusing it, yeah. bits in this episode and I, I feel bad saying that because a lot of the time I'm saying Red Wolf over explains things I think this is one episode where they under explain oh definitely I mean I'm still not sure what Crichton was doing with that trolley of stuff with the chemistry tra- set, transporting he's just moving bits of stuff around it, it, was, it was a weird coincidence <laughs> that he met over the cat yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I find it so I, I've, I've feel really stupid with this episode so yeah quite a few times going, what are they doing <laughs> why scouters oh no it is scouters i'm so annoyed at them always saying scutters wrong that i <laughs> leapt to one bridge <laughs> straight away and then realized that, that i'm talking shit scutters aren't here, mate. dreadful i'm mm-hmm. such a cunt oh look a sarcasm exclamation mark <laughs> in the <laughs> subtitles this was a trailer wasn't it this bit where Crichton guesses exactly what's happened. Yes, it was. It was one of the uh, clips that was released every week. Yeah. Unlock, Unlock with, code. with X. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, my life. <laughs> I'm going on about bloody Kachansky. Well, get over this, it. At this stage, she this was, was still supposed up. to be building up to something. <laughs> I theorise in my review that she, that Kachansky would have been the thing that they found. Mm. Um, in the review, and it seemed it, like if she was going, you know, going to be in the last two episodes, or at least something completely different was going to happen with the same setup. I just I found that interesting. I just don't want to see that woman. I do not want to see that woman. I do not want a character who has been unfunny coming into a show that's supposed to be a sitcom. I don't want to see her. I don't care. There's she no. There's used, no. There's nothing. It's true. She was used dramatically very well in Back to Earth. But it, it was dramatically that the, she was used. The, the way this is, it's like you're 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 trying you're trying to build up Kachansky as the next thing we're supposed to be looking forward to seeing to. But I'm not looking forward to seeing her I, I because I don't care. A lot of people are. Like, well, I can only give my little, opinion. Yeah. Um, I mean, my opinion is it's a waste of time. I'm not saying everyone should feel how I do. But I'm it's kind of like when whenever there's a rumor that Dwayne Dibley is going to return, I always go, "Oh God, not Dwayne Dibley! No one wants Dwayne Dibley." But then. Loads of people do yeah. like 
a vast, vast majority. Oh, I mean, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I very specifically want to be very clear. I'm not saying the a lot of the audience doesn't want to see Kachansky. I'm saying I specifically do not want to see Kachansky. That is my. The only reason I brought that up was in reference to you were saying it's it's used in the show as if it's something that you'd want to see. I don't think you can criticise the maybe, mentioning of Kachansky for that reason because you're in a minority there. Um, well, I, wait a minute. We don't know. We well, don't I don't know about minority. No, but no, yeah, no, no, no. I take your point. No, um, I have a problem. I mean, I I know why it's there. It's a cheap gag, but um, Crichton drawing <laughs> stuff with his ass yeah. would take him ages <laughs> to get through the washing up. So yeah, you know, he's, I don't think he's too bothered about expediency with it. I think well, he just enjoys maybe, it. Maybe <laughs> that's a good yeah. point. Maybe he just wants maybe to he likes hours. the misery. Yes, he likes the misery. I think it's too good a visual. I haven't got a problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> problem that was another. That was another clip actually that was released before podcast. That caught yeah, much <laughs> because we didn't know what was happening. It cut out <laughs> really early, uh, so it looked like he was just shoving them up. There was, I think there was a comment thread debating yeah. whether he was <laughs> like a hundred comment comment thread about whether he was shoving them up his ass or just near his ass. Yeah, um, a slightly more popular subject than his Chris Barry wearing. All I think I think it's a shame that there isn't a insult from Rimmer about Lister's appearance here because I think that would have been the first thing that yeah, they yeah. would have gone to with series one to six because. He does look like a tit, um, it, but we we find out obviously why he's dressed like that. Um, he's a fancy the cravat. <laughs> yes, I'd, but yeah, instead of going on and on and on and on and on about um, health and safety, they might have cut out a few lines and just had an insult about the cravat. You know, him looking like an old coward or something. I don't know. You know, <laughs> you can have that one, Doug. <laughs> Series thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is another good swear coming up. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing you say. There's good. There's the best swears in ten. They are probably the only <laughs> swears on balance, really. In the whole <laughs> twatting yeah. is a word that isn't used enough on now, any show. The, the, the cock bomb is an interesting <laughs> thing in relation to gelfs. Because in Last Human, the Gelfs were very, con- um, the, the Gelfs and that were very concerned with the human reproductive organ and semen and things like that. Yeah. I wonder if it's a little. Sort of, <laughs> maybe Doug really likes cocks and Rob Grant <laughs> hates them, which is why they always get mutilated in his. Book. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting that they would say the worst thing you could strap a bomb to would be the thing that is most valuable to, I mean yeah. it's most valuable to humans but well for gals who trade in sperm yeah. it would prevent you from having wealth uh, yeah, well, uh, well produce your own sperm I feel I should just note that there's a fair bit of good cat joke dialogue yeah, this, this, is, this is a treasure scene this is a top scene for, <coughs> for character humour this is why yeah Entangled isn't all terrible and no. this scene is a good example in fact it's been it, uh, it's pretty good so far like yeah it has a good this race is, of is particularly I am in a minority I think and I don't like that we'll have sex with anything line I, I really 
feels like he's trying to reach for some classic moment and entirely failing. But <laughs> I admit I am in a minority of that. It just grates with me. But now we reach the counter on the cock bomb and this drives me up the wall. It's a yeah. continuity nightmare. It's never the same. <laughs> oh, well, actually, no, the problem is most shots show it at zero. Mm. Oh, um, okay. The majority of them show it at zero, which I think is really incredibly... And I, I hesitate to to slag off people doing jobs and stuff but I think it's really fucking lazy I'm sorry it would drive me nuts I, there's a reason for that or if you put it at zero which you know is not a bad thing from a technical point of view when you're filming it or whatever then don't show it so bloody prominently it's a bit, a bit, it's a bit of an error you would say Yes. It's like I I could cope with it if it was just leaping around. That's a thing. But just being at zero does seem to be the ultimate insult. In oh, the audience won't care about that. Um, especially because you're filming it in in super sharp HD. If you this stuff matters now. Yeah. I kind of think it's. I mean, I'm I'm particularly sensitive to this sort of crap. <laughs> but I think most people would have noticed. I honestly do. I didn't. But, oh well, there we go. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. just me. I'm seeing it over and over again. Now that's a really nice shot, but and that's all that's right. Nice. Yeah. And then when it gets this that next shot, I, I have a real problem with that shot that because looks like a drawing. Yeah, it looks yeah, like a drawing, it really and it's does. not. Nothing is defined enough. Mm. Red Dwarf's model shots used to be iconic, a very sharp, bold shots, and that is just kind of a mess of. Yeah, it's very busy. That's exactly it. It's very busy. And these are fucking awful costumes. They are. I think... Better than what's underneath. (laughs) This is actually quite a good performance, I think. And actually, this has got some of the best... This this scene's got some of the best gags in it. This is basically when the episode starts to... Yeah. The Spoon of Destiny, but the descriptions (laughs) that the Beg Chief gives of... Yeah. ...are just... Although, oh, I forgot about Rimmer acting. It's yeah. weird. <laughs> yeah. And he's got the duffel coat on. Has um, It's not a duffel coat, is it? What is it? It's an Anorak. Parker. Anorak Parker. Yeah, no, that's, that's it. <laughs> oh. um, it's very odd. It's a very strange thing for Rimmer to have on and there's no explanation about why. They're trying to make him look like a mental person. I so think they are, aren't they? they are. Okay, right. So, <laughs> well done, Doug. Almost <laughs> got, right, okay. Mm. <laughs> well. <Wow>. Sexy lady legs. <laughs> yes. yes. Shane scented friend. Chris Waddle. he ate someone from an English I don't mind that joke it's nice and I like the specificity it's like no I ate someone from an English boarding school (laughs) that makeup's really bad I'm sorry it's a shame it's annoyingly and actually Red Dwarf 10's production values are generally very good which is why that annoys me so much but it just doesn't look very good it's on the cheap yeah but yes the scented shiny friend is a very good description of cat (laughs) (laughs) (coughs) Stephen Wickham talks about that I think in our interview with him from four years ago oh I skimmed past that when he was in emo hawk 
uh, the makeup took so much longer and everything was so much more precise. Yeah. Whereas here it was just, yeah, carry on. <laughs> and it's not, that's not improving the improved techniques. It's, yeah. uh, it's like the same with Robin and like, Oh, it takes so much, so much less time to put my mask on now. That's improved techniques. Yeah. Yeah. This was... I'm, I'm still confused by this. Can someone please explain no, not how really. it's happening? It's, it's either <laughs> it's either that the quantum entanglement is causing the uh, begs to choke when they say the word choke. It's cu- causing a coincidence to happen. Right. Or that would have happened anyway and the quantum entanglement thing is irrelevant. I don't know. It, okay. The first explanation is the only one that makes sense, yeah. but it's directly at odds with an explanation given in the same episode. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's the sticking point. And you, can't get yeah, past that. And now it's in the for some reason. Again, they'd notice oh, that. Anyway. I have a fact about this scene. Uh, the woman on the telly whose name exists <laughs> on this webpage. <laughs> the woman whose name is Emma Campbell Holmes, who is the woman in the thing, is uh, in Night of the Doctor, the Doctor Who mini episode with Paul McGann. She's oh. The woman who refuses to get rescued by the doctor. Oh, that's a fun fact. Yeah, Doctor Dwarf. It's a weird little thing, this bit, isn't it? Yeah. Using, I don't think it's bad. It's just slightly odd. It's like, uh, is it Crate TV? Yeah. Yeah. This is a, it's a bit wibbly wobbly, timey wimey, isn't it? In terms of, this happens and that happens and. Yeah. (laughs) I do like that. Tiny bit thing. like Bill and Ted. Oh, yeah. They're planting things. <coughs> yeah, having Except an idea like, for something yeah. to happen but and then it It does. Happened. It is kind of like they need to find... This is what I like. This is the Ooh. element of the quantum entanglement thing that I like. It's that bit of they need something to happen. They need to be aware. That, like The quantum entanglement is helping them be aware yeah. of what's happening around them. And so they notice coincidences and that helps to point them to the right place. But again, it, that becomes a bit look piracy. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah, and we're back to. I appreciate the effort to for them not to have just done it as something yeah. close. <laughs> oh god, this scene was originally in a lift, or am I thinking of something else? No, the scene that is later in a lift was originally on Blue Midget or oh, something. Yeah. Yeah, um, on the night this, so long ago. on the night this definitely <laughs> wasn't filmed on Blue Midget because Blue Midget but, yes. Uh, beginning in pickup week. Yes. Nice that Doug Naylor mentioned TV critics there in a way that's totally <laughs> integral to the plot and doesn't stick out <laughs> as, a, as a grudge at any way at all. Fun sight. <laughs> <laughs> Criticising things that are only at pilot stage. <laughs> yeah, you're getting mixed up <laughs> time wise. Oh, yeah. That's it. That That's whole scene on Blue Midget was originally part of this much longer scene. Yeah, so they broke it up a bit. Yeah, yeah. Decision. Which they I reshot was the a good, first half of it on Blue Midget. That seems like a good decision to me. Yeah. It would be a long scene to have on basically just against the wall. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Two um, the cock bomb is now ticking down. Um, just in case anybody's <laughs> interested. Please know where your sex life. <laughs> Uh, background detail thing the sign says uh, we apologise for designing such a small lift 
always find uh, set work details. Yeah, especially yeah towards the back end of series ten. This yeah. is a really in what I find so odd about the scene is they've never done it before, have they? As far as I'm aware, well, have have Rimmer walk through a wall? Have they ever done? No. This is like something that even people have written in fan fiction yeah. for years that Doug's finally gone fine even before All right. hard light existed where he was just soft light they never yeah. did a thing of him deliberately walking through a wall yeah it's strange though like so obviously he crashes through the cat and into some pots and pans depending on which version of the episode you watch <laughs> there's one thing that happens here that I, I genuinely don't understand when he comes back in and he shakes and twizzles what is he doing he's when switching he comes between no, when he comes back, when he comes back okay, in a minute. Well, no, he's uh, arranging his light beam so it fits through the lock on the door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, fucking that. There's a whole thing. Yeah, but he says, yeah. My interpretation of it is that when he switches to soft light projection mode, yeah, then he's being projected from the light beam, which is somewhere else. Yeah, maybe on the floor or the light beam. Yeah, but yeah, I think the the word projection covers his multitude of sins. Also, why isn't he always in a cage whenever he's not on Red Floor? That's true. <laughs> I, I, I just want to grab Lister at this point and shake him and say, get the fuck that over her, you very, tedious piece of shit. That would be incredibly God. dangerous in his current situation. <laughs> <laughs> here, right, here's what I mean. So what happens here? He's To that, he's blue, yeah. What's he doing? Oh, there? he should have changed. Yeah. but that should but, have been an effect. But, yeah. He so should have come out in soft light. Yeah, yeah. But, how, but how did he come out in soft light if he's opening the door? But oh, he, yeah. he changed back oh. to hard light when he went through the door. Yeah. He so confirmed that, and now he opens the door, and he's obviously in hard light. There's no reason for him to have a bit of a shake about. So yeah. Because he's not changing from soft to hard or yeah. hard to soft or no. whatever. Exactly. So what was intended to happen? There. He farted just before he came. <laughs> because, because it's, it's not. It's not even that they just do that. They also dub in the sound effect of him going like that. So something is supposed to have happened, but I don't know what. I think they probably got confused and then realised in the edit that they that yeah. they've got confused at some point. I made the best there. job of it. It's a fairly terrible error. <laughs> yeah. Really. They looked at their watch and said, "Well, well we're broadcasting well, this in ten minutes." We are very much in the downhill end. Of the <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the first part of it. I mean, if we're going to go to that, I have to say, yes, I did enjoy the first 20 minutes more than I expected Um, on the rewatch. It's not very clear how they get hold of that machine. I think there's a bit of, we found this on the way out. Yeah, we went into the room that you (laughs) sent the door to, I assume. You needed what? What's the episode where you see a bit of Crichton looking in a previous episode and finding a machine, going, "Oh, look like that." You just need a moment where you see him. This is awful. Oh, this is terrible. This is offensive. <laughs> this was even worse when I rewatched it and I remembered it's. It's just that bit's the only good bit of that. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. I guess you know, you know. I don't even know. <laughs> it's the weight that oh. The he, Rimmer may as well get his cock out at this point. <laughs> well, she, it's really... the, the problem with how she's written is she would be really pleased about that. I know. It's because she immediately wants to fuck Rimmer. <laughs> well, oh, again, if you look, if you look on the internet, she's not in a, major, a minority of people <laughs> that want to have sex with Rimmer. I don't understand why she's just stood there though. 
Yeah, just, yeah. Why does she just stand go, there while they're all? <laughs> because women famously just stand there naked. This is true. Because yeah. you know, they're grateful for the attention. But if she does everything wrong, I suppose she would. Mm. It's just they. It's not. It's not her reaction that bugs me. Because that it's just the stare. It's just they could have really comfortably replaced yeah. yeah. really all of her dialogue creepy. with "I it's, am a stupid woman." And it would have essentially made no real difference. The, the thing is, if you're writing a sitcom where your your main characters are four men, and I include Crichton as a man, and then you Unlike bring the prison guards and, in series, and then you bring a female character in, you need to be fucking careful. Yeah. And I'm not saying Doug was being meant to be awful there, but you, you need to uncareful. be more careful if you're doing that shit. And he wasn't. And it's really, really distressing. It's, it's disturbing that it's so rare to see any kind of female character in Red Dwarf. I mean, obviously, yeah. the main situation is that there's four guys and they're out in the middle of nowhere, so it's kind of understandable. Yeah. But then when you do have a female character come in and it is yeah. just a series of jokes about how women are stupid and about sex, yeah. Yeah. it's... Yeah. So, a uh, question yeah. for the people who've seen a lot of uh, the upcoming series. Female guest characters, good or bad? Uh, better. Good. Uh, I've seen three precise, precisely three episodes of series eleven and. But 12, I thought we saw all of them. I thought we got all the tickets. And <laughs> yeah. the you had all oh, the yeah, tickets. It was just come on. Like, all <laughs> sat dotted around. Basically, like, a little... there are female guest characters in at least two of the episodes that I saw recorded. We we'll probably know their names at this point. Uh, not necessarily. We're no. still. We're still at least two weeks away from the first episode. Yeah. And were they stripped naked and then killed? No. no. Good. No. We're in an improvement there were then. There no jokes about sex or nakedness or randomly being killed with those female That's characters. great. That's all I need. Actually, were, you know what? That's all I need. There were characters in their own rights that happen to be female rather than being a woman being a joke. But yeah, that is my big wish list for series 11 and 12 is to... Regardless of whether it is good or it is bad, <laughs> and obviously I would prefer it to be good, the main thing I want is to not have these kind of conversations yeah, immediately after broadcast. Yeah. Of, is that okay? Yeah. <laughs> because you, you, if you're even asking that question, then it should be something that's m- far more carefully thought through in far earlier stages than broadcast. Yeah. And but let's not spoil ourselves for next week's sexism. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the other thing about about this, I know it's coming up, but oh goodness, it is. There's a real uncomfortableness when that she's killed. One of the last things she talks about is having sex, mm. and that compounds it even more. But and the fact just Rimmer's reaction is is not upset that the woman has died. He's disappointed that he won't get to have sex with yeah, her. And Lister isn't really that bothered either. Not really. No, no. 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 I mean, cares. it is. I mean, to be fair, it's. A, I'm laughed a lot at the punchline <laughs> at the time it's a good tag but. to an otherwise bad thing um this yeah this doesn't make an awful lot of sense does it really in Ooh, terms of they suddenly yeah. change their mind about her reasoning <laughs> yeah <laughs> just for the last one just the last one well it's they're trying to it's yeah, part of the whole bit. coincidence yeah. Thing, isn't it's, it? It's what irony. it also is is having a ten minute gap at the end of an episode and needing to make the scenes last as long as possible. I yeah. think because you can't use the chimp as much as you wanted to, and so you had ten yeah. minutes of material of a yep. chimp being aboard, and all of a sudden <laughs> you have to replace that with the next best thing, <laughs> a naked dog. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I question whether the chimp stuff would have been any better. No. It doesn't no. seem a particularly promising idea either. 
The, the Phil oh. Silvers episode that Doug cited is really good because <laughs> I watched it soon afterwards. So that was a real chimp. Oh, oh, this no, is just she's dead. awful. It's just... They killed him. It's, and it's, it's like... Never Lister's mind. reaction is just like, oh, I've just <gasps> lost a... The, it's, it's just not, it's like, not how a normal I'm, person reacts. I'm wearing a suit and I could go out and at least oh, yes yeah, exactly yeah try and save her or something and isn't um, it ironic she tripped over all your health and safety presumably that's why he doesn't Thanks fucking Brussels. mention it again in the next two episodes <laughs> yeah, it's, it's and, um, I'm gonna guess he probably doesn't in the whole of 11 or 12 either it's it, List, Lister's reaction is like he's burnt his tea and it's like oh I've no. got to start again now Burns the it. thing oh, is right, annoying because the joke. <laughs> 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 no, I might manage that actually. <laughs> Homer Simpson making complex. <laughs> but it's a really upsetting end. I, I find the it joke out. itself is oh. is a good joke. It's, yeah. it's really annoying because it is a good joke. Yeah, but pen bit. A human you've just met, you're yeah, supposed to be the last human, has it, just fucking died, and you're would, like, oh, it would work pen. if you had an antagonist on board. Uh, that antagonist was just about to kill you both, and then they tripped over the health and saved the Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That would be fine. flippant about then it. Then that would be fine If it was a simulant, if it wasn't a human, you know, easier to take. Or if it was the chimp. Well, well <laughs> <laughs> you'd get more complaints. You must political correctness. Got you'd get more complaints for killing a chimp than you would killing a woman. And I don't just mean I in terms no, of Ofcom. I mean in terms of criminal procedure. No, like <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a real shame, and that 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 just it's not that's yeah. that that hasn't improved in the last. No, the thing is entangled like the. There is the genesis of a good episode there. Like, there's plenty of scenes within it, up to kind of you know, like your mileage may vary as to where it goes downhill. But mm-hmm. I'd say up it up until they go to Eero, until they bring Irene back to life or whatever it is they do. I say it's okay, but the problem is that it's not going anywhere and it doesn't go anywhere. And there's like all those things that happen that build up are just like tossed away and here's an extra 10 minutes of whatever we yeah. managed to cobble together <coughs> yeah. and I guess the last 10 minutes isn't the first 20 minutes fault and no uh, yeah so it's, it is it is a shame it's almost a bit like uh, the way fathers and sons is although, <laughs> although certain people <laughs> um, sullied by yeah um, or sorry sullied by um, <laughs> a particular plot line but the thing is if you're Unfairly. right if you're writing the first 20 minutes something you should know where your last 10 minutes is and yeah. I know there was the production thing yeah. with the chimp they did it, yeah but, but I think the problem was that the first 20 minutes weren't altered to take in like it, no. it's just it's uh, two ends of different cars welded together that yeah. episode yeah. Yeah. it's like the 20 minutes of build up to something that doesn't happen yeah and 10 I minutes think. extra that has no connection to that yeah and the the first 20 minutes wasn't changed to reflect that do you know what you might have nailed why I think I well I know that I like um, Entangled less than Dear Dave and that is that alright Dear Dave goes nowhere but it goes nowhere from the start (laughs) it's consistently (laughs) shit so it's consistently doesn't feel like it's really going anywhere particularly strong the problem with Dear Dave is they threw out so much material that they did on the night that would actually 
good. Yeah. So yeah. We'll entire... get onto that. Yeah. yeah, we'll save that for next <laughs> exactly. time. We'll save that for next time, time. from <laughs> when this is released. But yeah, Dear Dave isn't entirely terrible either. Ooh. Oh, don't. Oh, I didn't Ooh, expect that's teasing that. my opinions. <laughs> uh, speaking of opinions held by dickheads, Capsule, yeah. you wrote the review. <laughs> <laughs> I did. And I believe you made notes. Uh, yeah, I like picked, a spod. I picked out a few like paragraphs. A if I read all of these paragraphs, it would, it would take ages because <laughs> the review was really, really long. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure why. But. Uh, okay, so this is how I start it. Uh, during the Entangled Instant Reaction Dwarfcast, I proclaimed this episode to be my favourite of the series so far. Mm-hmm. Which is something... <laughs> which, which is something that has endured over a number of rewatches. Hang on. Um, um, to be fair, I was still smoking weed back then. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm now really confused because... You're reading something out from the past, where in that thing from the past, you're talking about an opinion from the past. Yeah. <laughs> so when you say it's held up like that over rewatches, that was the past you that saying that, not the current you. Yes. Uh, every other episode has undoubtedly had stronger elements, and is better. <laughs> and in the case of Lemons, had a neater and better story. But what I think Entangled has in Absolute Bags is a pleasingly familiar, traditional feeling with the best main cast performances of the series so far and a ton of great laughs. It does have great performances. It, has it does things. have good laughs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it just... It, it's just that that ends it resonates, yeah. before the end of the interview. Yeah, I think so. And I think maybe I was more forgiving of that ending at I the think time. When you're, when you're watching something for the first time and it's brand new as well... It was brand new as well because I did not see that episode recorded. Uh, so it is yeah. quite, it's a, it is unique in Series 10 for me. Well, I saw two-thirds of the episode recorded. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I do think also that there is a certain sense of, when you're watching that, it, it might be difficult to believe that they'd actually done that ending and it was quite as terrible as, <laughs> as it is. You're, because it, you might look at that and just think, no, no, he hasn't, he hasn't really done that, has he? There must be, <laughs> I must be overreacting. And then you watch it again and it's like, no, no, he really uh, has. Sometimes as well, and this is a, a fault of mine rather than a general thing, and I would imagine Tanya and Joe look at things differently, but the first time I watched that, it didn't really occur to me how dodgy the sexual politics were. That kind of thing sometimes only occurs to me after uh, I've got I've had time to sit and analyse it and think about it. Mm-hmm. I imagine for, for other people, women people, it's a bit more... <laughs> I'm being quite generous here. Um, Irene herself certainly isn't terrible. I think I might be referring to the performance. Yeah, Sydney's yeah. um, yeah. yeah. Irene herself certainly isn't terrible, but she's a character that's barely any screen time, so her characterisation extends to nothing more than she gets everything wrong and is weirdly forward with Rimmer. Um, poor, poor Irene, frankly, um, didn't stand a chance in the survival stakes, and she basically begs Rimmer to fuck her. <laughs> I noticed that, and after she basically begs Rimmer to fuck her, she duly trips over and boxes her into the airlock. God, did I just like fucking write out the plot? <laughs> um, a slapstick, slapstick ending fitting for her character, but her late insertion into the episode made the swift and unceremonious ending sadly inevitable, and it's a shame that there wasn't a resolution that was a little less sudden and, well, weird. I wasn't going on full social justice warrior on that one. <laughs> <laughs> there is also the weird thing where the reason why she's attracted to Rimmer 
is because supposedly everything she does is wrong. Yeah. I don't think Rimmer is supposed to be unattractive. No, Rimmer is supposed to be attractive who then says stupid things and fucks and it all up. Yeah. He is an attractive man. It wouldn't be funny if he wasn't attractive. Yeah. He's attractive and then is a dick. Yeah, mm-hmm. A very talented boxer um, once loved him. A, a talented um, <laughs> space call officer. Just um, think of the beginning of, uh, the, beginning of yeah. the beginning. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. Doug already knows this in yeah. this series that he's attractive <laughs> and then does something stupid. Yeah, hey, yeah. So yeah, what, I don't she, buy she, it. What she all. should have done is just been disinterested in him and then suddenly attracted to him when he turned. She got to know him. If, yeah, if, if um, this is what all women do, right? <laughs> one of the reasons Rimmer works so well as a character is because he's played by Chris Barry, who is an attractive man and has charisma. And Rimmer actually has charisma. Mm-hmm. It's just he doesn't know what to do with it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah Whereas Craig Charles is an ugly fucker. <laughs> <laughs> but has uh, Lister has a a, person, a magnetic personality. Yeah. 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 That's why they make such a good couple. <laughs> An odd couple. It's frustrating then, because I, as I said, I. I did enjoy the first yeah, 20 minutes more than I remembered. And it is one of those things as well. It it's, might not even be reflective of the episode so much as I went into Lemons this time knowing it was my favourite, so all it can do is go down. Yeah. I went into <laughs> Entangled, think it was awful. All it can do is improve. Yeah. I so on, on balance, I think one of the most one of the most annoying things about 10, or maybe my, my biggest issue, is that a lot of the time it frustrates me because it's... And it's episodes like this where could have been a really good episode yeah. and yeah, yeah. it might not be anyone's fault and then there was obviously a lot of problems that caused writing issues but this episode could have been so much better we, the, the, the could have been so much better and it's it, uh, it does sound like from what we know 11 and 12 have more or less broken the curse of Red Dwarf production since series 5 onwards as far as we know as far yeah, as yeah. we know in terms of reports from the recordings yeah. There was no episodes where they stopped ten minutes before the end. Yeah, no, they have no I... idea where to put camera cranes, though. <laughs> <laughs> Microphone cranes. Microphone cranes, okay. The, the only Still. thing that's actually come out is that the last episode recording was put back by, what, was it a week? Or uh, days? Five, or days. five days. Five days. Uh, but it, there was a reason for that, <laughs> and it was given, and it was all out in the open. Yeah. So it was fine. But that's yeah, it was 12, was, anyway. It is. That is that is ages, ages away. Yeah. Actually, Weird it's only age. just over a year away. Well, we don't know unless we do know by now when series five. <laughs> <laughs> unless we do know, in which case, aha. Let's record several options. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it's starting the week after series eleven. It's weird. That's so it's only it's that. only a few weeks away. I I wish it's I not could. for another eight years. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could. Um, I wish I am still bugged by the. The closeness to the luck virus, mm, um, yeah. on there. and I don't think I would be that bugged if there wasn't such a history of things that I thought were too similar or jokes that were repeated. Well, it's not that yeah. in particular; it's just accumulation. They've already had a second bite of the luck virus cherry in yeah. black yeah. and red, and I, I just yeah. and, I, it, <laughs> and it's kind of and I've, I felt the same with Pre and um, Cassandra, oh, but I but I didn't mind with Pre as much because. 
because I, I know it's slightly different, but it is, it, there is still something, but I thought pr- that was so much better done than Cassandra, it didn't matter. Yeah. Whereas when you're trying to uh, recall the days of quarantine, well, again, all you can do is go down. Yeah. Mm. Well, no, I, I mean, it, because they revisited that in eight as well, maybe he's just looking for a complete do-over of eight. <laughs> 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 well, there is the forthcoming episode of Series 11 where a big dinosaur shits everywhere. Oh, no, I've said too much. <laughs> no, that's all in the trailers. <laughs> All over the trailers. All over the trailers. <laughs> uh, okay, so <laughs> we're, twist, we're drifting. We 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 we're drifting, weird. and we don't know when we are at this stage. <laughs> so I think it's about time <laughs> to to wrap this up. Thank you for listening. Well, we're certainly not in Europe anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad that Zach Goldsmith wasn't mayor. <laughs> I'm so glad that Sadiq Khan wasn't mayor. <laughs> Who'd have thought that Galloway would get in? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Thank you for listening, but for now, until next week when we look at Dear Dave, and that's sure to be a barrel of laughs. Yeah. Uh, Ed by everybody. Ed by. Thank you for listening to GNT Dwarfcast, and we hope sometime in the future you'll decide to listen to our Dwarfcast again. Have a safe onward journey. Goodbye.